Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening and happy Sunday, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host and founder of singleinthecity.ca. Is it possible for a relationship to recover after a betrayal or infidelity? This is something that comes up way too often, and my guest tonight, Dr. Jean Michelle, is going to be giving us some insight into this and and how it can be possible to do so. Dr. Jean is the founder of Living, Loving, and Leading Courageously, who uses her PhD in clinical psychology and the power of love and learning to empower people to design deeply fulfilling and purposeful relationships. Tonight, we're going to be discussing whether it's possible to recover from betrayal, how this trust can be rebuilt, and knowing whether you're ready to try again. And I am so happy to have you on tonight's show, and I hope that um, you guys listening in are going to be able to learn a lot from her. So thank you so much for joining me tonight, Dr. Jean. I think that um, this conversation is really needed right now for some reason. (laughs) How are you? Okay. Thank you, Laura. I am great, and I'm so happy to be here. Hello, Toronto. I'm really calling in from. Pardon me. Where are you calling in from exactly? Oh, I am calling in from Huntington Beach, California. I love it. Every week, I've been having um, my American friends join me uh, on uh, radio. I'm uh, part of uh, the Clubhouse community. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. I have. Well, I, I haven't really. Are you on there? Oh, you got to get on there. So many experts on there, and it's making it easy for me to find guests. So I love it, and everybody is so amazing. So, well, let, awesome. okay. So before we dive right into the conversation today, what constitutes infidelity? When is a flirtation innocent, and when does it go too far? How can you draw lines when it comes to your? and your partner's behavior, especially when these lines have become blurred, right, by a digital age in which um, social media and instant communication, right, like texting, and uh, is right at our fingertips, um, and which has made, like, affairs, I feel, more accessible. So what constitutes infidelity? There are a lot of things that constitute infidelity. I think that when you boil it down, what infidelity is, is a betrayal of trust. Mm -hmm. You have a relationship with somebody and and you have committed to them on whatever level you're on. Clearly, marriage is is a different level of commitment than dating. But if you've committed, and I think it's important to find out and clarify your commitment, by the way, which I don't think we often do especially as women, I think sometimes we assume that we're in this type of relationship. And I think so once a commitment has been clarified, we are a couple and we're monogamous and, you know, we are connected. Then I think the next step is to really look at how the behavior shows up. You know, how are we behaving toward one another? And as you said, in the digital age, it is really easy to fall into connections with someone else. Um, I see that particularly happening with colleagues at work. You work on a project together and you get close to one another and all of a sudden you start to feel a connection. And then before you know it, you're spending more time connecting with that person or looking forward to that connection 
And I think that's an initial signal that, huh, is there something I'm not addressing in my primary relationship? Um, what am I maybe not talking about? And I think you can, you can start to see a slow drift begin to occur, which, again, is a signal that either, you know, maybe the relationship isn't working or there's something going on that you're not addressing. So to get back to your question um, regarding types of infidelity, you know, emotional, and, and I'm sure we've heard of that, obviously physical, if you're having sex with someone, but what is sex? You know, is sex kissing? Is sex hugging? Is sex actual Kissing sex is definitely infidelity. And sorry. Right. I mean, if, if you're doing something that your mm-hmm. partner doesn't know about, you're doing it behind their back, I mean, that's a form of infidelity to me anyways. Like, I mean, some, my partner is sneaking conversations with someone uh, on social media and with an intent, right, flirty, um, they're being flirty, and I think that's infidelity because they're betraying my trust. I don't know what they're doing. It. I, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing it behind my back. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and I think the key is just what you just said, when you're doing something behind someone's back, when you're keeping something, when you find yourself keeping a secret from the person you're in primary relationship with and that involves connecting with somebody else, yes, I think that infidelity is like a continuum from, you know, something that you just start to notice that you're spending more time or you're connecting and you're not talking to your partner to, you know, actually having, you know, sex with that person. And I agree, all of it is an indicator that something's up. And there's financial infidelity too. You know, if you're a couple and you're sharing finances and you're married, living together, whatever, and all of a sudden you're hiding all of these things you're doing with money or with joint funds, that is is a form of infidelity too. It's it's betrayal and it's secrets and it's hiding things. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. All right, let's dive into uh, the question that is probably on everybody's mind, whether it's a betrayal of trust in some way or full infidelity. Do you think that it's possible for a relationship to fully recover? So that is a complex question. How I will answer that is, is it possible to go back to what you had before the infidelity? And I would say no. It's like, Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall and you cannot put the pieces back together in the same way. However, I would argue if you use this as an opportunity to really look at who you each are, what you want, what you haven't been talking about, and and start to have what I call courageous conversations and be willing to be vulnerable, it is actually possible, Laura, to create a deeper relationship with a partner than you may have had before the infidelity. That takes work to get there, but a crisis can let you in to something that you weren't even aware totally was missing from your world. Yeah, I love that. And from having close friends uh, that went through this, I mean, it, mm-hmm. you're right. It is possible to recover, especially if you're both committed to healing your relationship, despite the pain. Um, and the reward can be a new type of marriage that will continue to grow and exceed even your previous expectations. So I've seen it happen. True story. <laughs> They're more in love now. I'm than happy ever. to hear that. Yeah. Yes. A, a couple of people actually that I know. And, and like I said, they're more in love now than they ever were. So it is possible. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. All right. So avoiding infidelity or other types of betrayal is something that is important to begin with. So what are some tips that you, 
you have um, to try to avoid this from happening in the first place. Like, there are so many reasons, but maybe we can go over a few. That sounds great. So I think, again, if you're the person that feels yourself starting to slide, let's, let's go into a work environment. And, and for those of us who are working in a work setting and not just online, you know, you, you notice yourself paying more attention to that person, maybe dressing up a little more when that you know you're going to have a meeting with that person. All of a sudden, you notice that you're being attracted to that person. That's something to pay attention to. You know, what, what's kind of, what's going on or what are you not talking about at home? And how do you even talk to a partner about that? That that's number one. And when you are the person who is, who potentially is being betrayed, when you notice yourself starting to drift apart and you find yourself not connecting quite as much, um, feeling like you're avoiding You know, you're going out and having, you know, maybe a cocktail after work instead of coming straight home. You're feeling a disconnect. That's the time to sit down if you can catch it so early and say, I'm not feeling connected. What's going on? And you start to explore and to be a little bit more vulnerable having those conversations, which are challenging. But believe me, when it comes to actually having an affair and talking about that, those conversations are even tougher than the preliminary ones that you may be avoiding. Does that help? Does that answer, you know, some oh, of that? Or do you have course. ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love all of those. Okay. I also think it's really important uh, to be clear from the beginning about what monogamy means to each of you and what you feel comfortable with. Because, uh, you know, once you, you're both clear about what you're committing to, then you should honor that decision, uh, you know, and accepting full responsibility for your choice. And don't, oh, I love this one, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. give up aspects of yourself. And don't expect your partner to as well. No, you know, no matter what, your relationship should always expand your life and not shrink it. I mean, don't let go of your of who you are, your individuality. Don't place a bunch of restrictions. Don't place a bunch of restrictions on each other. So many of us expect our partner to change, um, but you have to keep in mind, right, that. What is it that drew you to them in the first place? Sometimes when we expect our partner to let go of their own hobbies and dreams, it can actually backfire on us and make, and, and make, you know, make them less attracted um, because they may end up feeling like resentful and trapped you know, in that relationship. And, and then affairs become more appealing when a couple stops feeling that excitement and that passion for each other. I believe that the more freedom you and your partner allow each other, the less likely you are to betray each other's trust. Do you agree with that? Beautiful, and I'd love to dive into that a little bit more fully. That of course. Okay, you know what, though? We are going to do that right after the break, everybody. Stay with us. This is going to get juicy. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotti, your host, with my special guest, Dr. Jean Michelle. We are chatting about how you can heal and repair a relationship after betrayal. Let's get back at it. Okie dokie. So before the break, I was talking about not giving up aspects of yourself, you know, and don't expect your partner to as well. Uh, and you wanted to chime in on that. So please go ahead. 
That is really insightful because what I find when it comes to infidelity recovery, that is such a major piece of how you help heal and repair. What happens over time in any type of relationship, can we can start to become complacent. It gets comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's tied up or this and that. Sometimes as women, we tend to take care of everyone else and start to neglect ourselves. And instead of contributing to the relationship, which we think it does, it actually takes away because all of a sudden the person that you fell in love with has changed and is different. They've lost a little bit. And now you mentioned freedom earlier. They lost a little bit of their freedom, of their independence, of that attractor factor that, you know, starts to, to pull people apart. When you lose yourself and when you collapse into a relationship, you know, that thing that made you you use starts to shrink or hide out. And a big part of recovery is to get back into self-discovery, get to know yourself again. You know, what did you like doing years ago that you haven't done in a, in a while? You know, take a trip with your, if it's a woman, and take a trip with your girlfriend sometimes. It doesn't have to, your mate does not have to fulfill all of you. And I think that's such a critical element. And I see it in guys and gals. I see guys collapsing into relationship too, Laura. And the way I see this done is they get to the point where in so many cases, in order to avoid an argument, they just say yes. Yes, sure, I'll be home at this time. Yeah, we can do this. And yeah. And and in reality, it's not something they want to do, but they don't want to have a disconnect or have a, an argument over it. So they begin saying yes when they really don't want to. And then all of a sudden they start to feel more and more discontent at home and they lose themselves into it and their ability to say, you know what? No, maybe not this time or let's do something else. And I find when both people start doing that, there is a greater tendency to have somebody else that, you know, that that you notice or that notices you kind of light up your world. And we interpret it as that person And in reality, it's something that we've lost a sense of aliveness inside of ourselves, but we attach it to an attraction we feel with someone else. Does that make sense? Of course, it all makes sense. And how about getting way too comfortable and letting ourselves go? Right? Oh, that's okay. You know, I can do whatever now because I'm in a committed relationship and this person loves me and so I can just let myself go and not really care about myself so much anymore uh, because they're going to love me no matter what. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. You. And we become content and, and, you know, sweatpants instead of, you know, putting on something nice or, you know, the sexy undies go out the window for the comfortable ones. Yeah, All and I have this above. rule too when I start dating someone new. I'm like, listen, we are not going to start farting and passing gas in front of each other and leaving the door open when, you know, we're going number two. And let's be respectful and mindful of each other. Like, <laughs> so many people. That. Well, <laughs> it can get gross. <laughs> I'm sure you surprise people when you first come up with that statement. Okay. <laughs> Here's some rules that I have. <laughs> oh, I, I'm really big on setting my boundaries and standards early on in a relationship. Because mm-hmm. I never, I was never that person. I would just let things mm-hmm. go. 
And then mm-hmm. I was that person where down the road it became a problem for me. And then I would start nagging. And they'd be like, why are you acting mm-hmm. like my mother? Why are you nagging at me? Mm-hmm. You accepted this before. Why aren't you accepting it now? And they have a mm-hmm. point. They have a point. Mm-hmm. So now it's mm-hmm. like I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore. These are my boundaries. These are my standards. You fit or you don't. And if you don't, that's okay. That's okay because I don't want to change you. But um, this is what is acceptable to me. So I think those conversations. You know what I love? You know what I love about that, Laura? Really and truly. And and, and, and it, it, it comes out of having, you know, boundaries that are too wiggly. So it feels like you're like, when you first meet somebody and you first start dating and going out, it's far easier to set a boundary than, than when you formed a relationship and you really care about them and, you know, you start to ignore some of those things. So you going in and setting them up front and that, that also takes a measure of self-confidence too, knowing that, okay, even if this person in front of me is hot and cute and sexy and whatever, it's like, it, they may not match with what I want. There's more than that. So when you set those up front, it's clear and it's clear to both of you, you know, what you want and need in a relationship. So often we don't ask for what we want or we don't state what we want. I think it's a very powerful way to date and to enter into relationship because it gets tougher after you've been in the relationship for a while to reset those boundaries. Oh, it's almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you can't set boundaries later. It's almost impossible. Please, 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 I urge everybody to set your boundaries early. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's going to save you a lot of heartache. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, sure. You also have conversations or you talk about courageous conversations and how important communication is for a successful relationship. And that's what we're talking about right now. Now, talking about, um, you know, these issues isn't always easy, right? What is the idea? What is your idea of courageous conversations, um, and how can we use them to deal with things like betrayal, for example? Well, I think courageous conversations start with the little things. It's hard to jump in and say, "Now I'm having this courageous conversation," when you haven't practiced on the little things. All right, and I think a courageous conversation is being willing to be vulnerable being willing to enter into a connection with someone and say, something's going on inside of me. I don't quite understand it. And I want to share it with you. And in order to do that and to really have a deep kind of connection, courageous conversation, it's important to set up a time. So when it gets to be something that is really important to you, to ask for a time and space when neither one of you is hungry or angry or frustrated and you set aside or drunk. a time to talk. Or drunk. <laughs> or drunk. No drunk. Or high. No drunk. <laughs> or high. I'd be sober. <laughs> yes, for sure. Because if you're not, you're going to say things that you're trying so hard to say things in, in a way that is inviting as opposed to alienating. Yes. And when, you're, when you're on some kind of substance, it makes it much harder. And sometimes you don't even remember what you said. Or but when you're tired. I, I feel like when I'm tired, oh, when you're tired right. it changes my mood. Right. Yeah, I'm You're a lot more vulnerable. I'm vulnerable and a lot more emotional when I'm tired. Sometimes right. it's like if I'm yeah. exhausted and like I take everything so personal. It's like I need to go get some sleep, and then I wake up. I'm like, okay, 
Right. But, and you know what I would say, I would answer to that, Laura, if let's say you start, and then I'll go back to kind of a little bit of a structure, but if as you start a conversation that's important to you, you notice yourself just being irritated, angry, tired, emotional, and, and if you're emotional because of the subject matter, that's different than if you're emotional because you know you're tired and you don't have the bandwidth to talk about it. Then you just say pause, you know. I love pressing the pause button, you know. I would like to table this conversation to when I'm in a better space. I'm not quite there right now. I thought I was, but I'm not quite there. And stop. Do not try to force yourself to have a conversation when you're in that state because it typically does not go well. Yeah, I I love you. So, so, <laughs> oh, I love you. You're so cute. Um, yeah, sorry, continue. So going back, you're fine. Going back. I love talking to you. Anyway, um, go. we could be good girlfriends if we live close together. <laughs> I know. Well, we don't, but that's okay. We can FaceTime. <laughs> All right. That, that works. Anyway, so going back to, first, it's setting aside time for the conversation. Mm-hmm. And and once you two agree upon a time, then it, it's wait before that you kind of do a little bit of mental prep work. You talk about you think about who this person is and how much they mean to you. So you go into kind of that loving, open-hearted space. Okay, something went wrong here. There's something that I'm upset about. But you know what? I love this person. I'm in relationship with them. I'm dating them. I'm married to them. Whatever. So you thought about you start there. And then when it comes to having a conversation, you start it with an intention and and with an affirmation. You know, I really value our relationship. I value our level of trust. I value who we are. And, you know, there's something I'd like to talk about that's a little bit challenging for me. And, And so you set the stage right away, you know. And then um, to be able to say what it is that bothers you. You know, like when you or when this happens and, and you be spe- you're specific about behavior, I think, especially with male, female communication, sometimes women can be a little vague. So be very specific on what the behavior is. You know, when you tell me you're going to be home at six and I'm cooking this great dinner for us and I don't hear from you till 615, it's really upsetting to me because, you know, I like to eat food when it's hot. I had candles going and I didn't even hear from you and I feel disrespected. And then you ask for what you want. So in the future, I understand that work can run late. But if you find you're running late, you know, text me early. Text me at 530, and let me know. And that way, you know, it makes it much easier for me when I have something special planned for us. Yeah. And, and, and watch your tone. Off way, your right, right. Go into it softly and kindly instead of having a harsh startup. And that's yeah. true with everything, even including... You put the person in the corner when you do that, right? They're going to get their right. back up instantly, yeah. yeah. Right. And then the other half of conversations, Laura, is the person who's receiving it. So if you're receiving it, if somebody's sitting down, because automatically it's like, oh, they want to talk to me. Oh, no, what's going on? But in, when you're receiving it, to be curious and to listen and to be present with what they have to say... And be in a place when you are the listener where you move out of feeling like you have to defend your position, like you're listening so that you can counteract whatever this person is going to say. So you're not listening open-heartedly, like you're listening to the, I did this because, you know, listen to understand rather than defend. And that completes the loop between both people, you know, what's being spoken 
and what's being received. And it takes both parts to have a courageous conversation. It sure does. <laughs> now, repairing a relationship after an affair is something that requires work on both partner sides, like what we just mm-hmm. you know, spoke about. So let's start with the person who had the affair. How can mm-hmm. they begin to repair this? And what are some of the things that they need to keep in mind to support their partner? So the person who had mind, there, how are they going to support their partner? So they need to keep in mind that this person was very hurt. You know, your actions created a lot of pain inside of this person. So their behavior is probably their emotions, probably going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. One day they may feel like, you know what? I love you. I can make this work. The next day they may, the next day they may get angry. So it's being aware that your partner may may be in a state of kind of up and down. That would be the first thing. Okay, so stop there. We're going to continue this conversation. (laughs) Beginning to regain trust after an affair isn't an easy task, and we're going to be chatting more about this right after the break. We'll be back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night, guys, and you're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca with my special guest, Dr. Jean Michelle. We're chatting about how you can heal and repair a relationship after betrayal and so much more. Let's get back into it. Now, before the break, uh, we were discussing how the person who had the affair can can begin to repair this. And, And what are some of those things that they need to keep in mind to support their partner? You had you give us right. one good example, so I know you had more, so continue. I have more. So the first thing is to realize, you know, your partner's in a lot of pain and their emotions are going to be like a roller coaster, which we said just shortly before the break. The second thing is for you to do the internal work to really decide if you want to stay in this relationship and recognize that if you're really having an affair, that means you're really connected with somebody and um, you have formed, you know, a relationship with them. It, it takes a little bit. It's going to be hard for you to give that relationship up too. There's going to be some pain potentially associated with that. So make sure that you're clear that you want to commit to, you know, your partner, that you want to recommit. And if so, you really have to cut off all connection with the other person because even a little slide like a text, or a call saying, oh, my, my dog died, I just needed to talk to you, to create a reconnection, and you have to be very mindful. It, it really happens. You know, some little thing that you think isn't going to make a difference, oh, I'll just text her back. And when you recommit to your partner, there's also a recommitment that helps that, if, that you tell your partner, if this person reaches out to me, I will let you know. Now, that's hard. Because you think you're willing to commit to it, and then the person just sends you a quick text, and you're like, oh, I don't think I want to tell her because she's going to get mad at me all over again. Exactly. No, you gain credibility and rebuild trust when you say, hey, she reached out. I reinforced that, you know what, we can't talk, and I blocked her number. Whatever the behavior that you do, because that is showing your partner that she is number one. 
Okay. That's great that's advice. Really important that's, I love that. That's great advice. And be willing to give up your phone and go, hey, here's proof, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the beginning, there's okay going to be a lot of checking. So in this case, you know, do mm-hmm. you think it's okay to give out your passwords or your social media accounts, for example, or maybe your phone passwords? Because, again, the trust has to be regained, and maybe that could be mm-hmm. one of the things, right? Like, uh, okay, I, I, you know, I'm willing to maybe work on this, but I need to, we need to have full disclosure here. Like, I need to be able to go into your uh, phone or into your accounts uh, to, just to make sure that there's nothing going on. Is that fair, or is that unhealthy? I think that there, for a period of time, each couple makes that determination, but for a period of time, if you are really committed to your relationship, you need to allow that to happen if that's something that your partner needs to help rebuild the trust. It's really important. Now, forever, you know, I mean, we all have some parts of ourselves that are more private, you know, that would have nothing to do with infidelity, but I think especially at the beginning, you know, you betrayed a trust and you have to be willing to do some things that are uncomfortable for you to help rebuild that trust. I even have couples where one of them says, I'm put, I want to put a tracker on your car so I know where you are. Well, why do they have to let them know that they want to put the tracker on the car? You can just put the tracker Ooh. on the car. <laughs> I think they have those trackers. Well, you put it under I've the had tire, people like, do that too. By the but tire or whatever. Under the, how would you know? Well, I think... I think the whole idea of rebuilding trust is rebuilding it on both sides. Like if you're going to put a tracker in someone's car, just to be able to say, hey, I want to track you, you know, and I get that, you know what, if somebody's going to cheat again, they're going to figure out a way. They'll park their car and they'll walk someplace, you know. So, so I think both of you need to be clear that you want to make this commitment. And what I tell people I just start to work with is if they're, if they're still on the edge and they're like, I don't know, it's like we working together are going to gain the clarity we need for you guys to decide if you're fully recommitted or not. You may not be there just yet because this is all, you know, turns your world upside down. But once you decide to recommit and you really both play full out, both look at what has, you know, what has contributed to the relationship sliding and you both are willing to work on and take responsibility for your parts, that's how you really move forward. Now, that being said, it is never, it is not, the other person's fault. Like if somebody betrayed you, I find time and time again that people feel guilty. What did I do wrong? What did I miss? I thought something was going on. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? And it's not your fault. And you need to not take on the blame of that because a lot of times we beat ourselves up when our partner has had an affair and we think there's something wrong with us or we missed something or we didn't say things that we wished we would have said. Yeah. And the person who did the cheating also keep, has to keep in mind that they need to be patient. Like this per, the person that they cheated on is not just going to snap out of it, <laughs> you know, depending on the severity of the infidelity. But so they, they do need to learn uh, to be patient. Absolutely. Because, Laura, what I also find is sometimes um, people can be too forgiving. No one wants to deal with the pain. So they're like, okay, let's put it behind us and let's move on. And if you don't work on the underlying things that could have led you to that place, the chances for the behavior to repeat are much stronger. I have had many repeat offenders come back. And the second time in, it's much tougher. But sometimes that opens people up to really working on 
you know, the depth that they may not have worked on the first time. You cannot exit out of it too quickly because it's hard to work through. So you actually work with clients where they've cheated twice and then the partner took them back or was trying to take them back? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're done, buddy. (laughs) Maybe once, depending on why, why, maybe, you know, I I wasn't giving you what you needed uh, emotionally or whatever the case, but twice, no, not happening. We need to take a break. Um, If you've been betrayed by your partner, how can you start to heal and try again? More on this after the break. We'll be right back. Relationship show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are back, and oh my goodness, I'm absolutely loving this conversation tonight. I'm hoping that we are helping so many people out there. This is the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto with myself, Laura Bellotta, each and every Sunday night here. And my special guest tonight is Dr. Jean Michelle. And we're basically chatting about, well, now we're going to chat about how to heal and learn to trust again after a relationship that ended after betrayal. Now, for those who have made the decision to make it work, how can we fully regain the wrong partner's trust again after an affair or betrayal? Like, how does forgiveness play into this? So forgiveness is layered. You know, you, you when you walk in, and, and what I find is it's not just forgiveness of your partner, it's forgiveness of yourself for the ways in which maybe you have betrayed yourself by not paying attention to the things that you had an intuition or had a sense were wrong and and you kind of are ignoring those things. So I think self-forgiveness is really important, but forgiveness is layered. So maybe at the beginning you're like, okay, I'm willing to forgive you and let's see how this goes. And as you deepen your relationship and your connection, you deepen the forgiveness. And forgiveness, true forgiveness between two people also involves a really genuine apology. Now, what I find, Laura, is, you know, it's like, I said I'm sorry. How many times am I going to have to say I'm sorry? Well, you're going to have to say I'm sorry as many times as it takes, number one. And number two, a genuine apology is deep. It's acknowledging, you know what, I effed up. I am so incredibly sorry that I hurt you. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I have no excuses. I got lost. There are things that I, you know, thought were important to me, but I realize now you're the person that's important to me, and and I want to do whatever I can to make it up for you. I love you, and I want to be with you, and I am so incredibly sorry. I hope one day you find it in your heart to really, truly, deeply forgive me, and I am willing to work to make that happen. I love everything that you said. And if you keep blaming yourself for what happened, you get stuck in self-doubt, which then can hurt the chances of your relationship's recovery. And by forgiving your partner, you're not saying that what they did was okay, but but what you're doing is empowering yourself to come to terms with what happened, um, and you're leaving it in the past, and you're also giving your partner a chance to learn and grow from their mistakes. So I love that. All right. Mm-hmm. Um Beautiful. Beautifully said. 
beautifully said, because again, the forgiveness is such, I know you want to go on, the forgiveness is such a key piece of it and your willingness to be vulnerable and to sit in that place of open heartedness where there's pain too, you know? Yeah. Okay. Now, what advice do you have for someone who wants to give their partner another chance after betrayal? Like, what do you think are some of the steps that they should take to heal and try to rebuild the trust after it's been broken? I, I think one of the things is be um, be willing to talk about what you want and set boundaries, similar to what you talked about in your dating life. You know, you have to be, ask for what you want. You have to be more courageous in saying, you know what, this works for me, this doesn't. I want to go here. I don't want to go there. And I think there is a sense of self-confidence you start to build. And, and to do it with kindness, you know, to realize this is someone that you've fallen in love with and you're willing to open your heart back up to them, but you also have to stand in your own power and in your own strength and start doing some things to rediscover yourself too, to look yes. at where you might not be paying attention to what's important to you. It's all yes. of those. It's really strengthening the core of who you are. Yes, and also if you decide to forgive your partner, then you really have to make an effort to stop dwelling on the past. You don't want to throw it in their face like every time you have an argument, you know. Uh, <laughs> because when you when yeah, you decide sure. to give the relationship a second chance, you're also deciding to trust them again, right? And maybe you're not going to completely trust them right away, but you have to try. You have to. If you're willing to make it work, you have to try and stop throwing it back at them because I've seen that too. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, totally so agree. What does it mean for future relationships if you are not ready to try again? Like over the years, I've seen how hard it is um, you know, to leave the trust issues from previous relationships that ended in betrayal behind. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone who's struggling in new relationships because of past hurt? This is an important one. It's a really important one because I think it's, first of all, it's, a, it's an inner and outer experience. You have to up-level your self-trust. You really need to listen to yourself, pay attention to your intuition, Again, as I said before, be willing to ask for what you want and set boundaries in new relationships and existing relationships. When you know, when you feel that a boundary is starting to be crossed and you're starting to say, okay, or yes, I don't really want to do that, but he really wants me to, you know, then you have to pull yourself back and and tell yourself, no, I'm standing in the truth of who I am. Again, rediscover you, go out with friends, you know, pick up the guitar that you might have played a long time ago. Take a weekend with a friend. Don't immediately, if you're not in a relationship and you've broken up, jump back into a relationship with someone outside of you. Realize the preciousness of who you are and, you know, start working on and, and delighting in yourself. I think those are such critical things and work with somebody to heal whatever it is in your past because we tend to repeat patterns. And if you don't resolve it, it will come up again. Yeah. Give yourself time to heal, please. And, And your perception is your choice. We can choose how to view a particular situation. We can choose to either hang on to the pain or let it go. We really do have that choice. So stop thinking about all the good. Think about the bad sometimes, right? Every person is different as well. When we leave a bad relationship, you know, sometimes we tend to think that everybody is going to behave in the same way. And then we indirectly let the new people pay for the mistakes of those from the past. But you can't do that, okay? You can't project someone's traits on somebody else. 
Before you draw an assumption about someone, you have to let them show their character first. Please, everybody. Oh, my goodness. I love this show tonight. Healing and repairing a relationship after infidelity or betrayal is different for everybody, and I hope that you guys were able to gain a little clarity on the situation. Now, what if people want to work with you, my love? Where can they reach you? I love it. Livingandlovingcourageously.com, and there is a... An ebook someone can get when they log in. That's ten steps that you can take to strengthen your relationship, and it works whether you're in a relationship or not. It's more about your mindset. And I would love any of your listeners that also want to email me can do so through the website as well. Love to hear from your people. Right, and you can also reach her on Instagram at Dr. Jean J E A N N E Michelle M I C H E L E. Thank you so much. And guys, if you uh, would like to connect with me, you guys can check me out. Official Laura Bellotta on Instagram. On Clubhouse is Laura Bellotta. And please check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. If you're looking for love, I can definitely help you in that arena. Dr. Michelle, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And everybody for, that tunes in every single week, I love you guys. Thank you so much for your continued support. Until next week, ciao for now. <laughs> 